Hotep, everybody. This is Michael M. Hotep, host of the African History Network show. Here's our, our podcast of the African History Network show from Sunday, February 24th, 2019. And uh, we dealt with a number of different topics, including the indictment of uh, R. Kelly on 10 counts of sexual assault. Also, we talked about Jesse Smollett and he being arrested and New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft being arrested uh, for soliciting a prostitute. Hey, if you want to advertise on the podcast of the African History Network show, please email us at customer service at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, customer service at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Our podcasts are on seven different podcast platforms, including iTunes, Law Talk Radio, CastBox, Stitcher, and others. And we can uh, help you reach thousands of potential customers uh, each week with our broadcast. Okay, email us at customer service at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. And here is our podcast from Sunday, February 24th, 2019. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. It is Sunday, September 24th, 2019. I mean, sorry, February 24th, 2019, and we are live tonight. Hope everybody's doing well. Um, last Sunday, we were off because of the snowstorm that hit uh, Detroit. And uh, so they gave us the, I mean, it was really bad outside. I was coming back home, home from, uh, I was coming back, um, headed home from doing a lecture. And uh, the snow was, was coming down then, okay? So we didn't broadcast live uh, last Sunday. And actually the Sunday night shows did not broadcast live at all uh, last week. But we're back tonight, okay? It, it is Sunday, February 24th, 2019. Uh, and you listen to the African History Network show. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. It's been a very, very busy um, February, okay? We know this is African American History Month. We're going into the last week of um, African American History Month 2019. I've been speaking uh, in uh, at different events in Inkster, Michigan. Um, the city of Inkster has organized uh, 20, uh, 28 days of events. Uh, dealing with African-American History Month, okay? Um, so I've been speaking at a lot of those events also, okay? Uh, and uh, we want to give a shout-out. You know, we had um, Councilwoman Sandra Watley on uh, earlier in the uh, month, and we were talking about the uh, events that they had planned. So I was over at uh, New Birth uh, Church today, uh, in Inkster, and uh, I want to thank everybody for having me over there. I spoke uh, a little bit at their African American History Month celebration, and then uh, also I was a vendor over there. Uh, and then yesterday I was at Nandy's Knowledge Cafe doing a presentation dealing with breaking the chains while we celebrate African American History Month and how it reconnects us to our history and culture, and also dealing with this year's theme, uh, dealing with African American History Month also. Okay? So, uh, what we're going to deal with tonight, you know, there was uh, some uh, huge news stories that came out, uh, came out this week. And, I mean, it's been a very, very, very busy week, very crazy week. And I've been trying to stay abreast of all the stories in between doing lectures, things like that. But we saw R. Kelly was indicted uh, on 10 counts of aggravated criminal assault, criminal abuse, sex, criminal sexual abuse. 
Um, and we saw that um, attorney Michael Avenatti, who was Stormy Daniels' attorney, we see that uh, he provided uh, at least one videotape. Uh, actually, last Sunday I was going to do a story dealing with that, and last Sunday's show, uh, the Sunday night shows were canceled. So uh, we'll talk some about that also. And and this one, I mean, this is, this these cases, there are four uh, alleged victims here, and uh, most of them are underage, okay? Um, the prosecutor is Kim Fox, Cook, Cook uh, County State's prosecutor, Kim Fox, and she did a press conference a few days ago. We're going to share. It was a very short press conference where she laid out the charges, okay? We're going to share that with, uh, we'll share that press conference with you because um, these charges are very, uh, very, very serious charges, and R. Kelly's bond was set at $1 million. He has to put up 10%, uh, which is $100,000. He has not been able to come up with $100,000 to post bond. Okay? Very interesting. Then also this past week, we saw uh, Empire actor Jesse Smollett arrested for allegedly making up um, a hate crime attack. We saw the press conference that uh, the Chicago Police Department did, uh, police superintendent, um, Eddie Johnson, okay, and there have been some other things that have come out, some contradictory information, a point or two contradictory uh, information since that press conference, okay. He's going to do a big interview Monday morning on one of the uh, Monday, Monday shows on the uh, networks. And TMZ has uh, an article dealing with how the $3,500 that was um, – Allegedly, he paid to the two Nigerian brothers to do the fake attack, how that was for uh, personal training, things like this, right? But what a lot of people are not talking about is the press conference that the prosecutor's office did. That's more damaging than the press conference that the police department did. The press conference that the prosecutor's office, the prosecutor's office did in the Jesse Smollett uh, case, was very, very detailed. It went step by step by step by step by step, okay? So we're going to share some of that press conference with you because a lot of people are talking about uh, police superintendent Eddie Johnson, who's an African-American man, and his tone and how furious he was, things like this. And I've heard people calling into the shows. I've heard people calling in to Reverend Al Sharpton show, you know, et cetera. Most people are not talking about the press conference that the prosecutor's office did. That did not get as much uh, coverage, news coverage. But that's even worse because if you understand how a prosecutor's office works, the prosecutor's office, they do their own investigation. They don't just take the information that the police investigation does. They're the ones that have to prosecute the case. So they do their own investigation also. Okay, we'll talk some about that as well. Then um, we know a couple of weeks, was February 3rd, right? The um, New England Patriots won the Super Bowl once again. And, you know, I, I haven't watched the NFL game in two years. So that night we talked about things surrounding the Super Bowl, like Gladys Knight singing the White National Anthem. She took the midnight train back to Georgia to sing the White National Anthem. We talked about... Cardi B saying she couldn't perform 
at the national uh, at the Super Bowl out of respect for Colin Kaepernick. We talked about Colin Kaepernick, uh, things like this, right? Well, New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft, who's a billionaire and a friend of Donald Trump, was charged with two counts of soliciting a prostitute in Florida. This involves sex trafficking at a massage parlor in Florida. Now, we're not saying he's part of the sex trafficking ring. That's not any of the allegations. But according to the authorities, he is on tape engaging in sexual acts. Very interesting. And then um, NBC News reported in a lot of, uh, uh, I know New York Times had an article about this also, dealing with how hate crimes have increased by 30% over the last four years. I wonder why. Hate crimes have increased by 30% over the last four years, okay? And at the same time, when you have uh, Jesse Smollett, who allegedly faked a hate crime, then you have people on the right, and Coulter, a lot of Donald Trump supporters, then trying to dismiss all of the hate crimes and saying they're all fake. Ann Coulter tweeted this. Then also, this past week, we saw that a uh, former Coast Guard lieutenant, or a Coast Guard lieutenant, plotted an attack on prominent Democrats and journalists. It took Donald Trump about 48 hours before he commented on this. Now, what do you think would have happened if this had been a Muslim plotting an attack on white Christians in this country. If this had been a Muslim plotting an attack on white Christians, they showed the cachet of weapons that he had, okay, assault rifles, things like this. They showed the ammunition. What do you think would have happened if this had been a Muslim plotting an attack on white Christians in this country? What do you think would have been the response of Donald Trump? You think it would have taken him 48 hours, almost 48 hours to respond? No, he, he would have been he would have been tweeting within like the first 48 minutes and he would be tweeting incessantly. He would continue to tweet about it. OK, so we'll talk about that as well, because that is very that's very serious. That ties into the rise in hate groups. We see New York Times has an article over 1000 hate groups are now active in the United States. Civil rights groups say, OK, and this is the research done by the Southern Poverty Law Center. And they and, and uh the Southern Poverty Law Center said the number of hate groups rose by 7% in 2018 to 1,020, a 30% jump from 2014. Now, at the same time, keep in mind, Donald Trump, in his uh, annual federal budget that he sends to the House of Representatives to approve, they cut the funding for tracking these white uh, supremacist organizations and things like this, monitoring them and shifted that funding over to monitoring uh, Muslim organizations because they fear Muslims so much. They, the fear of this administration is not against the white supremacists because he has white supremacists working in his administration, like one of his senior advisors, Stephen Miller. The fear is of Muslims. Very interesting. Over 1,000 hate groups are now active in the United States, civil rights group says. I wonder, I wonder when Trump is going to call for them to stop and stop being uh, violent. You know, if you're going to... You know, if you want to talk about nonviolence, you should talk. You should talk about nonviolence towards the white supremacist organizations, the neo-Nazis, and the KKK, things like this, that are inflicting violence upon people. If you're going to tell anybody to be nonviolent, it should be them.
Yeah, I mean, you remember at the uh, Charlottesville uh, in uh, two, uh, 2017, the Charlottesville attack, right? Yeah, who ended up dead? Who ended up driving a car into a crowd of people? So if you're going to tell anybody to be nonviolent, it should be the white supremacist you tell to be nonviolent. So we'll talk about all that. And then this, uh, you know, I've, done, I've spoken at a number of African-American History Month events this February. And uh, if you want me to speak at uh, any events you have coming up, email me at info, I-N-F-O, at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, info, I-N-F-O, at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, or call me, 313-462-0003, 313-462-0003. But what I noticed everywhere I have spoken this month so far, nobody knows what this year's official theme for African American History Month is, and it's black migrations coming from the Association for the Study of African American Life and History. So we'll talk about that in our second hour as well, because it makes this cultural celebration relevant. You listen to the African History Network show, 9, 10 a.m., the Superstation of Future Radio. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. 2019 is here, and there's no better time to start working on your financial goals. My name is Martisha Patterson, and I am a certified financial planner with over 19 years in the wealth management industry. I am helping people just like you focus on and achieve their goals. If you need help with budgeting, saving for emergencies or retirement, if you want to start investing but don't know where to start, I am here to help. No need to feel alone or frustrated. No one's situation is the same, which is why you need a certified financial planner to develop a unique plan tailored to your specific needs. Contact me today. My phone number is 646 5524384 again 6465524384 or email me at pattersonplan17 at gmail.com my website is pattersonplan17.com no more excuses now is the time my name is Martisha Patterson and I am here to help do you have a child with ADHD autism or another special need would you like to treat your child holistically and avoid pharmaceuticals and stimulants if possible? If so, you need to head over to OurKidsCanThrive.com, OurKidsCanThrive.com, and take the Holistic Special Kids course. Shava, a mother to four boys, ages 12 to 5, and a daughter who is almost 3 years old, has dealt with hyperactivity, anxiety, depression, severe anger, sensory processing disorders, chronic fatigue, and more. And now her children are all thriving. Chava is a holistic ADHD coach and has helped many children privately and now. She shared all of the tips, tricks, herbs, foods, and supplements she has used to treat her own children and many others. Head over to OurKidsCanThrive.com and sign up for the course now. This is business, but to my credit life, it's personal. They care about your credit as much as you do. They want you to get the credit you deserve in the shortest amount of time. Not only will they dispute the negative items from your reports, they'll also work with you to build positive credit for future endeavors. They keep it simple in their approach to getting you back on track with their three-step process, review, dispute, and update. They dispute all inconsistent items on your credit report such as medical bills, evictions, tax liens, judgments, student loans, collections, charge-offs, 
late payments, bankruptcy, and more. Don't let your dreams just be dreams. Get started today. Call My Credit Life at 331-201-9881. 331-201-9881. And ask for Robin. And also visit their website, mycreditlife.com, L-Y-F-E, mycreditlife.com. And visit them on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash mycreditcoach. Looking for technology for your home or business? No problem. From laptops to Chromebooks, Surface tablets, antivirus security software to business phone systems, JCW Computer Consulting LLC has got you covered. Be sure to use the African History Network custom link for discount and special promotions. JCWCC is a certified minority business enterprise and part of the iBuyBlack network. Visit shop.jcwcc.com or call 215-879-6701. The Kwame Skate Company strives to responsibly make meaningful product for the black community that not only exemplifies our lifestyle, but enhances the ability to live it. To provide value to our customers and deliver top quality customer service while still having fun and maintaining our values. Our brand platform offers compelling product assortments, meaningful brand experiences, and convenient multi-channel accessibility that reflects our respect and knowledge of both indigenous people and skateboard lifestyle. Our community is committed to growth and development, to understanding and showing the world that Kwame and the indigenous community can do so much more. Visit their website today, KwameSCO.com. KwameSCO.com. Ready to start getting healthy? Well, I'm here to let you know that all natural honey is a great way to start. At Crazy Boy Honey, we offer all-natural honey for the lowest prices. Our honey has no additives or preservatives. Go to crazyboyhoney.com. That's crazyboyhoney.com and see what we have to offer. And remember, shipping is free. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation of Future Radio. Hey, I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, February 24th, 2019. And uh, we are live tonight. We're back after a, a week off because of the bad weather here in Detroit. Uh, and once again, this is uh, going to, to the last week of African American History Month, this monthly cultural celebration, historical celebration. But we know we celebrate our history uh, 365 days out of the year. So in the second hour, I'm going to deal with um, the some of the history of African American History Month, and I'll deal with um, – this year's theme also. Every year there's a theme, an official theme that comes from ASALA, the Association for the Study of African American Life and History. And uh, unfortunately, most people go to Black History Month celebrations and don't know that. And unfortunately, um, the people that put on the uh, celebrations, oftentimes they don't know this either. Okay? So we're going <laughs> to deal with that as well. All right, now on the African History Network show, we focus on educating, applying, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct your own behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man's thoughts, you can control the circumference of his actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. 
Now, we deal with a number of different topics here on the show. We deal with current events and history and politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, to 22828 to sign up for our email newsletter. Also go to our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. And uh, shout-out to Lavanya Perriman. She had me on the show Friday night uh, dealing with the topic, dealing with the presentation I was doing at Nandy's Knowledge Cafe uh, on Saturday, uh, February 23rd. Okay, so this past week, uh, I think it was Thursday, we saw um, R. Kelly was indicted on 10 counts of uh, aggravated criminal sexual abuse, 10 counts of aggravated uh, criminal sexual abuse. And uh, NBCNews.com has an article uh, uh, about this as well. R. Kelly makes first court appearance, bond set at $1 million. The conditions of R. Kelly's bond includes that he has no contact with witnesses or alleged victims and that he turned in his passport. Now, uh, our, uh, we've talked about surviving R. Kelly here on this show. We've also talked about how a lot of people don't really care about protecting African-American women, African-American girls, especially from sexual predators when they happen to be men that just look, 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 look just like the women and girls that they are inflicting this abuse upon. Okay? Now, R&B uh, singer R. Kelly made his first court appearance on Saturday, February 23rd, and the judge set his bond at $1 million. R. Kelly, who has been charged with multiple criminal counts of sexual abuse of several underage victims, turned, turned himself into police on Friday night. The conditions of R. Kelly's bond includes that he has no contact with witnesses or alleged victims and that he turned his turn uh, in his passport. Now, he is, he is also not allowed to have contact with anyone age 18 or younger. R. Kelly, R. Kelly who is 52 years old, he just had a birthday uh, a few weeks ago, faces 10 counts of aggravated criminal sexual abuse, according to Cook County State's Attorney's Office in Chicago. A grand jury, indicted, uh, a, a grand jury indictment listed four victims, at least three of whom were younger than 17 years old at the time of the alleged abuse between May 1998 and January 2010. During a press conference after the bail hearing, Cook County State's Attorney Kimberly M. Fox described R. Kelly's alleged sexual assaults. One alleged victim met R. Kelly at her birthday party, Fox said. Another uh, victim's alleged encounter with Kelly was recorded, uh, 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 according to um, Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox, adding that her office was in possession of the videotape in which R. Kelly allegedly engages in sex acts with a girl who repeatedly states she is 14 years old. We have the audio of the uh, press conference. Let's go to this clip here. Earlier today, Robert Kelly was indicted before a Cook County grand jury on 10 counts of aggravated criminal sexual abuse involving four victims. The first victim, initials H.W., was involved in incidents which occurred between May 26, 1998 and May 25, 1999. A grand jury returned an indictment on four counts of aggravated criminal sexual abuse based on the victim being under the age of 17 and Robert Kelly being more than five years older than the victim. The second, second victim, initials R.L., 
was involved in an incident which occurred between September 26, 1998 and September 25, 2001. A grand jury returned an indictment on two counts of aggravated criminal sexual abuse based on the victims being under the age of 17 and Robert Kelly being more than five years older than that victim. The third victim, initials LC, was involved in an incident which occurred February 18, 2003. A grand jury returned an indictment on one count of aggravated criminal sexual abuse based on the transmission of semen by Robert Kelly upon any part of the body of the victim for the purpose of sexual gratification during the course of an underlying felony of attempt criminal sexual assault. The fourth victim, initials JP, was involved in incidents which occurred between May 1st, 2009 and January 31st, 2010. The grand jury returned an indictment on three counts, three counts of aggravated criminal sexual abuse based on the victim being under the age of 17 and Robert Kelly being more than five years older than the victim. Aggravated criminal sexual abuse is a class two felony with a sentencing range of three to seven years per count. It is also probationable. We anticipate that Mr. Kelly will appear in bond court tomorrow afternoon. Thank you. All right, so she made it Earlier short. Today, That's less than, it was less than like, it was less than three minutes, okay? So that was Cook County State's attorney, Kim Fox, African-American woman, uh, announcing the charges against one Robert Sylvester Kelly. You know, we've talked about surviving R. Kelly here a lot. Uh, we've talked about protecting African-American women, which a lot of people really don't care about. And what I find interesting is, you know, if I post something about R. Kelly, people say, what about the what about the priest molesting boys? Well, how many of those boys are African-American that they're molesting? Why? See, we, we have to understand that the black woman is the most disrespected woman in this country. And that's why when they're molested, when they're sexually abused, a lot of people don't really care about them. That's why. Okay? So why would you try to deflect to white priests largely molesting white boys largely? And I disagree with it. It's wrong. But when we're talking about protecting our girls, our daughters, our nieces, okay, when we're talking about protecting them, why are you going to deflect to that with the priests? That doesn't even make sense. Because if, 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 if R. Kelly was just the average brother from the south side of Chicago doing this, everybody would, would be talking about throw the, throwing the book at him. And if R. Kelly was a white man doing this, the black girls, all these same people who are talking about give him a break and there's no evidence and all this and we're the parents. They, now, notice this. When you have the white priests molesting boys, nobody tries to blame the parents for what the priests are doing to the boys because they know it's wrong. Nobody trying to say, we're the parents. Nobody's saying that because they, they, they know what the priests are doing wrong. But when you have a black male celebrity like this, or just a or black celebrity, and they're doing something like this to African-American girls, now they want to shift the blame from the predator who they, if this was, if this was a white man doing this to black girls, they would not be saying, we're the, we're the parents. They would not be trying to shift the blame to the parents because they know what the predator is doing wrong. Okay, if he allegedly did what they say he did, and I think they did, I think he did it. Okay, but see, notice how they try to play these games. 
But if this was just the average brother from the south side of Chicago doing the exact same thing outside of high schools, pick, you know, 45, 50 years old, outside of high schools, talking to 16, 17-year-old black girls, all right, if he was doing the exact same thing, nobody would be saying, well, we're the parents because they know what he's doing is wrong. All right, so if we go back to this article here from NBCNews.com, R. Kelly makes his first court appearance. Bond set at $1 million. And we'll go to the phone lines in just a minute. John, stand by. R. Kelly makes first court appearance. Bond set at $1 million, okay? Uh, this is from... February 23rd, 2019, NBCnews.com. Also, the call-in number is 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. Okay, so uh, Cook County State's Attorney, uh, Kim Fox, said the relatives of the 14-year-old have identified her to the Cook County State's Attorney. Kim Fox described a third alleged uh, victim, who she said was 24 years old when R. Kelly allegedly attempted to force uh, her to engage in oral sex. The fourth victim, the fourth alleged victim, had sex with R. Kelly while she was still a minor, according to uh, Cook County State's attorney, Kim Fox. After the hearing, R. Kelly's uh, attorney, Steve Greenberg, said R. Kelly must come up with 10% of the bail in order to be released from jail. The reporting from TheHill.com just a couple hours ago was that R. Kelly hasn't been able to come up with $100,000 yet. Quote, this is someone who should be wealthy at this point in his career, but through mismanagement, he really doesn't have any money at this point, Attorney Greenberg said. Quote, I don't think he even owns the rights to I believe I can fly. Now, he said that he believed, Attorney Greenberg said he believed R. Kelly would be able to, quote, come up with the money, end quote, uh, adding that R. Kelly was upset being in jail. <laughs> okay. <laughs> quote, he's devastated. Here's someone who was once a huge star, and now he's sitting behind bars, end quote. There's a whole lot of them who were, who were once huge stars who should be sitting right next to him in prison. Some of them are huge stars right now who should be up underneath the jail. Their time is coming, too. Their time is coming, too. Notice notice how all this stuff. You got Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, his sweetheart deal that uh, a U.S. attorney gave him, who's now in the Trump administration, that's coming under scrutiny now. All this stuff is happening at the same time. Now, R. Kelly's legal team is still building its defense, Greenberg said, adding that R. Kelly denies ever he ever forced anyone to have sex or that he ever had sex with minors. Okay, so I guess I guess this is all these all these other people just lying. No, they weren't minors at the time. I guess all these other people are just lying. He's a rock star. He doesn't have to have unconsensual sex. Wait a second, you trying to tell me that rock stars never raped anybody? Is that is that is that your argument? R. Kelly needs to get a new attorney. This, this is R. Kelly's attorney saying this. This is not his brother. This is not one of his homeboys. His attorney said he's a rock star. He doesn't have to have unconsensual sex. So your argument, right, is that rock stars never raped anybody. That's your argument. That's your defense? <laughs> R. Kelly's next hearing is scheduled for 9 a.m. Central Time on uh, February 25th, which is Monday. On Friday, his attorney Steve, Steve Greenberg in Chicago said authorities are making R. Kelly a sacrificial lamb and that the musician, quote, will go to bond court, 
uh, on Saturday and will eventually be acquitted. Okay, so they tried that and he couldn't come up with the bond. Okay, yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> we'll see how this one turns out. Okay, this is the charges here. This is worse than the 2002 charges that then went to court in 2008. One is not speculated, is not believed that they're going to be able to drag this out for six years like they did the other case. Okay, uh, two, the, 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 the charges and the evidence are more damaging. Okay. So uh, we'll stay on top of this. And then also check out the CNN. So that clip that we uh, shared with you was from CNN. R. Kelly charged with sexual abuse. R. Kelly charged with sexual abuse. And it lays out the counts also. They're just, they are just referring to the alleged victims with their first and last initials. Okay. Um, so you're going to hear more about that. And also we know that Gloria Allred, and just uh, this past week has come forward with uh, two new victims also as well. So, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, R. Kelly needs to get a new attorney. I'm telling you right now, all right? Okay, let's go to the phone lines. Let's go to John, line one. John, welcome to the African History Network show. Thanks for holding. Tell us where you're calling from. Yeah, I'm calling from the west side, east side of Detroit. I missed you last week, man. Yeah, I missed you too, man. You know, the weather was really bad out there, so they said uh, we didn't have to come in. And, and it, it, I, I, at about 6.30 p.m., I was uh, headed home, and it was getting bad. So uh, they, okay. the Sunday night shows were canceled, man, just just because of safety. Yeah, well, you missed no doubt about it. Um, I want to say that them, uh, the, the, the college students in uh, Mississippi uh, took a new weekend on uh, the them, them clients down there trying to start a, uh, 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 what you call the disabled, but this, this doggone, uh, what's his name? The, the Confederate guy that, 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 that uh, Robert E. Lee? Yeah, right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And, and they, took a, they took a knee down this weekend, so I don't know. Yeah, this, when this was, was at a college game? Is that, yeah, yeah. Okay, I saw, I saw a couple articles about that. Uh, I'm going to try to pull that up here. Yeah, I saw a couple articles about that. Uh, and uh, go go ahead and go ahead and tell us what happened. Well, I, I just want to say that they they really really demonstrate that they was gonna be ready to start the, the protesting. And I was wondering what the college student was and so forth. And uh, so they, they had got into a little altercation with some carriers that protesting about Robert Lee and all that stuff. And so. Yeah, he was a little pushing the shame from what I hear. So I, I just wanted to know if you heard about it. And, uh, yeah, I heard about I it. Was, yeah, that's a good. That's Ole Mississippi. So uh, NBCNews.com yeah, yeah. has an article here. Ole Miss players take knee during anthem as pro-Confederate rally unfolds on campus. Okay? Um, yeah. And let's see. Player uh, Brian, Brian Tyree said, we're just tired of these hate groups coming to our school. And what people have to understand, you've had a 30% increase in the number of hate groups over the past four years, and they are heavily recruiting on a lot of these college campuses. Okay? Now, Donald John Trump, who is a white supremacist, largely stays silent on this. Okay? That's right. See, this is an example of how elections have consequences. Go ahead, John. And they, 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 they tried to, to justify the characters within Washington now, making racial statements and, uh, and, 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 and
face or something like Black that. Blackface, yeah. Yeah, right. and, and so I just right. wanted to just let you Yeah, know I saw that story. I did. Yeah. Okay, man. All right, thanks, John. Well, 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 thank you. Have a good week. Okay, you too. All right, let, let's let's go to this story since John brought it up. And, and I, I have so many stories to cover, but since he brought it up, let's cover this quickly here. So eight University of Mississippi basketball players kneeled during the national anthem. Now, they should correct that and call that the white national anthem because that's what it is. Who wrote it? Francis Scott Key, September 13th, 1840. Who, 1814. Who did he write it for? White people. It wasn't written for us. Okay? Who passed it in the law in Congress? White, white people? White congressmen? White senators? Who signed in the law? The white president? So it should be called the white national anthem. Okay? Um, eight University of Mississippi uh, based, uh, basketball players kneeled during the national anthem ahead of Saturday's home game in response to a pro-Confederate rally nearby. Okay? Now, Brian Tyree told reporters after the game, we're just tired of these hate groups coming to our school. Now, two groups marched to a Confederate monument on uh, the Oxford, Mississippi campus only a few hundred feet from the game to encourage the preservation of the symbol that has stood for more than 100 years. Now, keep in mind, right, there were 4,743 lynchings from 1882 to 1968. 581 lynchings took place where? In Mississippi. Mississippi is where you have Cindy Hyde Smith, the public hanging woman. Remember her? Okay, the senator? We, talk, we covered that story uh, extensively here on the show. All right, so that's in Mississippi. So Mississippi has a long history of lynchings. And then also, still in the Mississippi state flag is the, um, still in the Mississippi state flag is the Canton, which is the uh, Confederate battle flag, okay, or what people call the Confederate flag. It's not the Confederate flag. It's the Confederate battle flag of Northern Virginia under General Robert E. Lee's army. That flag that is was on the General Lee car on the TV show, The Dukes of Hazard. And what's the name of the car? General Lee. Who's the car named after? General Robert E. Lee, a white supremacist slave owner who, who was from Virginia, took up arms against the Union to maintain slavery. He was a traitor to the country. That's who the car is named after. What, what do you think would have happened if the name of that car had been the Adolf Hitler? How many episodes of that show you think would have happened, would, would, they would have had? If the name of the car had been the Adolf Hitler, and instead of the Confederate battle flag on top of the car, they had a Nazi swastika. How many episodes you think of that show would have existed? And I guarantee you, it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be on DVD. They wouldn't be showing it on uh, uh, on reruns, things like that. So they named the car after General Robert E. Lee, who committed treason against the country. Now, after the Civil War, General Robert E. Lee was against having Confederate monuments, even those monuments dedicated to him, because there were times when he was invited to come to a, 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 an, an unveiling of a, a, a monument in his honor, things like that. He was totally against it. The statue um, in August of uh, 2017 there in, in Charlottesville, Virginia, when you had the Unite the Right rally, uniting to allegedly preserve and save a statue against a General Robert E. Lee, Robert E. Lee would be against preserving that statue because he was against Confederate monuments and Confederate statues. General Robert E. Lee was also against using the, any of the Confederate flags after the Civil War was over with. So a lot of these white supremacists don't even understand the history that they're lying and saying is their own history. 
So General Robert E. Lee felt that after the Civil War, there needed to be a time of healing in this country. And he felt that the Confederate monuments and having the Confederate flags and all this stuff, this um, kept that from happening. So a lot of people have never researched General Robert E. Lee. Read the article from TheAtlantic.com called The Myth of the Kindly General Lee. The Myth of the Kindly General Lee. The legend of the Confederate leader's heroism and decency is biased in the fiction of a person who never existed. It talked about how he was a brutal slave owner, things like this. Okay, Now, after the Civil War, he was against the Confederate monuments and, and, and et cetera, right? So here you have... So I, I, have to, I have to give you that background information because a lot of people will have these events to preserve Confederate monuments, with, which are white supremacist symbols. And if you study when the Confederate monuments were erected, the majority of them were erected from 1895 to 1915 and also from, uh, 19, from, from uh, 1955, 1954, 1955 to 1970. Okay, these are pivotal times in the history of this country. So 1895 to 1915 is when you have an increase in lynchings, increase in uh, white domestic terror in this country. 1896, Plessy versus Ferguson, U.S. Supreme Court case, solidifies uh, Jim Crow laws and separate and equal. 1915, the movie The Birth of a Nation comes out, and that rejuvenates the Ku Klux Klan because the Ku Klux Klan had almost uh, died out by, uh, 1950, by, by 1915. The Ku Klux Klan was founded December 24th, 1865 in Pulaski, Tennessee. See, we should be talking about all this stuff during African American History Month. They, see, see, one of the biggest mistakes that we make with these celebrations is we just recycle the same 15 to 20 sanitized Negroes every year and then wonder why our children are not interested in that and wonder why some adults are not interested in it either. We, we don't understand the whole history of African American History Month and the purpose. We're going to deal with that in, in, in the second hour. So when you study this history, right, if you look at the article from um, history.com, official website of the History Channel, how the U.S. got so many Confederate monuments, how the U.S. got so many Confederate monuments, you see a large amount of Confederate monuments pop up after 1954. What's significant about 1954? May 17, 1954, Brown versus Board of Education desegregation case. You, in 1955, you're going, in, in, in 1954, after that takes place, you're going to have the White Citizens Council founded in Mississippi. You're going to have an increase in the number of uh, private schools being built. And they're going to have a, you're going to have an increase in the number of vouchers that are being used because they're, what they're doing at these private schools to, re to keep the schools segregated, they're giving vouchers to uh, to uh, lower class, poor white families so they can fill those slots at the private schools and keep African Americans out because they don't want to desegregate. Watch Eyes on the Prize. Watch the documentary series Eyes on the Prize that deals with the history of the civil rights movement. When, the, when Brown versus Board of Education came down in 1954, the governor of Virginia uh, closed all the uh, public schools, ended the, ended the uh, public school year because they did not want to desegregate. Now, also what's going to happen is that you're going to have an increase in the number of um, schools named after Confederate heroes and Confederate soldiers. You're going to have a huge increase in that right after Brown versus Board of Education. 
And this goes right into the Civil Rights Movement, 1955, 1961, 1963, 1964. We have an increase in Confederate monuments erected and an increase in schools named after Confederate heroes. Now, uh, these Confederate monuments in Southern Poverty Law Center uh, has an article dealing with this. Uh, also, the, these Confederate monuments were erected largely to terrorize African Americans and to keep us in a uh, subservient position in this country. And this is it, they were erected to remind us of the position that we were supposed to be in in this country. So this is why every Confederate monument needs to come down and they should be nice they should not be destroyed they should not be destroyed they should be put in museums where they belong they should not be destroyed i'm against destroying confederate monuments i'm against illegally taking them down i'm against damaging them they should be taken down they should be put in museums along with all the confederate battle flags and the confederate flags in the place of the confederate monuments should be a historical marker to talk about what was there and why it was taken down. Okay, this is what should happen to the Confederate monuments. Now, when you study Germany, there are no monuments to Adolf Hitler in Germany. You can't name buildings and schools and things like this after Adolf Hitler or prominent Nazis. They don't have that in Germany because they learned from that history, and that's the lowest point in their history. Now, they'll teach the history in, in schools of what happened, but they're not going to have monuments erected to them honoring these people. That's the same thing that should happen here. Okay, so if we go back to this article, we're coming up on the break. On the other side of the break, we'll go back to the phone lines. When we come back, we'll go back to Larry on line one. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number. Okay. Uh, and then also CNN has an article as well dealing with the true history of, uh, what's this, the true history of Confederate monuments and why they represent racism, okay? Actually, that's uh, a clip from uh, uh, Roland Martin, news1.com, Roland Martin. Read, go watch that. That's on YouTube, the true history of, of Confederate monuments and why they represent racism. Because Roland Martin, I think in this clip, he interviewed uh, uh, James Lowen, who wrote the book, Lies My Teacher Told Me. Lies My Teacher Told Me, okay? And that is a very, very uh, important book because uh, he, James Lowen talks about how history is incorrectly taught in schools and the side effects of that, okay? But uh, watch that clip from uh, News One Now with Roland Martin, okay? All right, let's go back to this uh, article here dealing with old Mississippi. And I'm trying to pull up this other article dealing with the uh, Confederate battle flag. Okay, this is it. I have thousands of articles bookmarked. Okay, this one here, Confederate battle flag separating the myths from facts. Confederate battle flag separating the myths from facts. June 24, 2015 by Ben Brumfield for CNN.com. Read that article because it deals with the history and it, told, it, it, it explains to you how there were three different flags that flew over the Confederate States of America from 1861 to 1865. And the flag that we think is the Confederate flag was never one of them. All right. Okay, so two groups marched to a Confederate monument on the Oxford, Mississippi campus, only a few hundred feet from the game. 
to encourage the preservation of the symbol that has stood for more than 100 years. Quote, for over a decade, the administration and faculty have completely disregarded and disrespected the traditions of a once great Southern university, end quote, rally organizers said on Facebook. The demonstration was scheduled to last uh, four hours uh, Saturday afternoon. On Friday, protesters demanded the removal of all Confederate monuments from the old Mississippi Circle on campus. The Oxford community has been on alert after violence at a similar rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, in August of 2017. Old Mississippi basketball coach Kermit Davis called Saturday's demonstration outside agitators. Quote, this was all about the hate groups that came to our community and tried to spread racism and bigotry, end quote, he said uh, at a post-game uh, press conference. It's created a lot of tension, tension for our campus. Now, what people should really do is to read the statements of succession, read the statements of secession of the 11 states in the Confederacy, including Mississippi, because they tell you why they seceded from the Union. And they seceded to maintain slavery, which was central to maintaining their wealth and their way of life. Okay? So they should go read the statements of secession. Now, the kneeling players... He said, quote, made an emotional decision to show these people they're not welcome on our campus and we respect our players' freedom and ability to choose that, end quote. Now, the old Mississippi rebels beat Georgia 72 to 71. Uh, University Police Chief Ray Hawkins said one person was arrested at Saturday's protest. Quote, we had to make an arrest for someone who failed to comply with the directions uh, that were given, but that was... Uh, the only reported incident, he said. Now, uh, uh, Police Chief Hawkins praised his officers for handling three protesters in as many days. Quote, I think, uh, I think our team has done an outstanding job of making sure our campus was safe. Robin Tanhill, mayor of Oxford, Mississippi, lauded the city's police, uh, uh, she's a woman, uh, lauded the city's police department and residents. She said, quote, our community demonstrated that allowing freedom of expression is not an endorsement of divisive, divisive speech. Okay. Similar demonstrations, uh, end quote, similar demonstrations from groups on both sides of the Confederate monument issue erupted Saturday at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Protesters met at the former site of a Confederate statue. No arrests were reported. The real history of this country, the real history of slavery, the real history of the Civil War and Reconstruction has to be taught because most people don't understand that history, okay? If you heard me said uh, February 13th, Wednesday, February 13th, when I called in the Reverend Al Sharpton show, and uh, it was just broadcasted here Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. to 5 p.m., 9, 10 a.m. Superstation, I was talking about how that uh, group of 20-odd Africans who came into Jamestown, Virginia, August 20th, 1619, did not have the status of slaves. They were actually indentured servants, and they were released after a few years and compensated with land. In Chapter 2 of Before the Mayflower by Lerone Bennett Jr., he, out, he lays this out. So a lot of our people don't understand the origins of slavery in the British colonies. The way we think that it started is not necessarily how it started. You listen to 9, 10 a.m., the Superstation of Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. We'll be back in a few minutes.
2019 is here and there's no better time to start working on your financial goals. My name is Martisha Patterson and I am a certified financial planner with over 19 years in the wealth management industry. I am helping people just like you focus on and achieve their goals. If you need help with budgeting, saving for emergencies or retirement, if you want to start investing but don't know where to start, I am here to help. No need to feel alone or frustrated. No one's situation is the same, which is why you need a certified financial planner to develop a unique plan tailored to your specific needs. Contact me today. My phone number is 646-552-4384. Again, 646-552-4384. Or email me at pattersonplan17 at gmail.com. My website is pattersonplan17.com. No more excuses. Now is the time. My name is Martisha Patterson, and I am here to help. Do you have a child with ADHD, autism, or another special need? Would you like to treat your child holistically and avoid pharmaceuticals and stimulants if possible? If so, you need to head over to OurKidsCanThrive.com, OurKidsCanThrive.com, and take the Holistic Special Kids course. Shava a mother to four boys, ages 12 to 5, and a daughter who is almost three years old, has dealt with hyperactivity, anxiety, depression, severe anger, sensory processing disorders, chronic fatigue, and more. And now her children are all thriving. Chava is a holistic ADHD coach and has helped many children privately and now. She shared all of the tips, tricks, herbs, foods, and supplements she has used to treat her own children and many others. Head over to OurKidsCanThrive.com and sign up for the course now. This is business, but to my credit life, it's personal. They care about your credit as much as you do. They want you to get the credit you deserve in the shortest amount of time. Not only will they dispute the negative items from your reports, they'll also work with you to build positive credit for future endeavors. They keep it simple in their approach to getting you back on track with their three-step process, review, dispute, and update. They dispute all inconsistent items on your credit report such as medical bills, evictions, tax liens, judgments, student loans, collections, charge-offs, late payments, bankruptcy, and more. Don't let your dreams just be dreams. Get started today. Call My Credit Life at 331-201-9881, 331-201-9881, and ask for Robin, and also visit their website, mycreditlife.com, L-Y-F-E mycreditlife.com and visit them on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash mycreditcoach. Looking for technology for your home or business? No problem. From laptops to Chromebooks, Surface tablets, antivirus security software to business phone systems, JCW Computer Consulting LLC has got you covered. Be sure to use the African History Network custom link for discount and special promotions. JCWCC is a certified minority business enterprise and part of the I Buy Black Network. Visit shop.jcwcc.com or call 215-879-6701.
The Kwame Skate Company strives to responsibly make meaningful product for the black community that not only exemplifies our lifestyle, but enhances the ability to live it. To provide value to our customers and deliver top quality customer service while still having fun and maintaining our values. Our brand platform offers compelling product assortments, meaningful brand experiences, and convenient multi-channel accessibility that reflects our respect and knowledge of both indigenous people and skateboard lifestyle. Our community is committed to growth and development, to understanding and showing the world that Kwame and the indigenous community can do so much more. Visit their website today, KwameSCO.com. KwameSCO.com. Ready to start getting healthy? Well, I'm here to let you know that all natural honey is a great way to start. At Crazy Boy Honey, we offer all natural honey for the lowest prices. Our honey has no additives or preservatives. Go to CrazyBoyHoney.com. That's CrazyBoyHoney.com and see what we have to offer. And remember, shipping is free. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910A on the Superstation Future Radio. Hey, I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It's Sunday, February 24, 2019. And uh, we are live uh, last week uh, because of the weather. Um, the Sunday night shows were canceled uh, because of uh, safety concerns. But we're back tonight, okay? 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. We're broadcasting on uh, Facebook Live on 910 AM uh, Superstation on uh, Facebook. And then also the African History Network on Facebook also, Okay. Be sure to follow uh, our Facebook fan page, the African History Network. Follow our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P, on YouTube as well. YouTube channel's been growing. We have 45,000 followers on our YouTube channel, so that's been growing also. 313-778-7600 uh, is the calling number. Right before the break, we were talking about the story with, uh, at Old Mississippi, uh, how you had uh, the... Uh, was it the basketball team? Old Mississippi players take knee during uh, national anthem as pro-Confederate uh, rally unfolds on campus. We were also talking about R. Kelly. R. Kelly was uh, charged with ten counts of aggravated uh, criminal sexual abuse. Three of the four alleged victims were minors at the time of the alleged incidences. And we also played for you the uh, prosecutor. Okay, uh, the press conference that the prosecutor had. Uh, this past week as well. Let's go to the phone lines. Let's go to Larry, line one. Larry, welcome to the African History Network show. Larry, uh, where are you calling from in Ohio, Larry? Uh, Sandusky, Ohio. Okay, Sandusky, Ohio. All right, go ahead, uh, Larry. Thanks for uh, thanks for holding. Go ahead with your question or comment. Yes, um, uh, Michael, uh, the only thing that I want to say in regards to Art Kelly is this whole issue around double jeopardy. I hope you would uh, explain that to your listeners. What double jeopardy? Means. Yes, sir. Okay, well, also, uh, I'll go ahead. Okay. Okay. Also, if, if, if you will, in regards to uh, Art Kelly, Art Kelly is also being charged, I understand, in a separate case, with this man law. Uh, please explain with that. With which law? You know, how they, the man law. Okay, that deals, law, with, man that deals with, uh, that, that really dealt with um, white slavery, yeah, white yeah, slavery of women. Mm -hmm. Exactly. 
Uh, and they used Jack Johnson. That was the way that they, they came after uh, Jack Johnson in order to get him. Yeah, interstate, well, yeah, traveling across state. Uh, if you're traveling across state, uh, it really deals with, uh, back in time, white slavery. We're going to deal with human trafficking, human trafficking uh, for sex purposes, things like this, traveling across state. Uh, so you have the man law also. Uh, yeah, that yes, was um, that was that. Actually, I have the uh, charges here. CNN um, uh, has the article: R. Kelly charged with sexual abuse, and they lay out the charges for the uh, yes, uh, dealing with the four alleged so, victims. But double jeopardy. Yeah. So people. So yeah. here's the thing: with uh, the girl that's in the uh, video uh, that is alleged to have been 14 years, 14 years, 14 years old at the time that the video was made, from my understanding, this was the same uh, girl who was in the previous video from 2002. But this is a different video. This is a different video. So the argument is being made that double jeopardy, double jeopardy does not apply here. Here's why. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example, then I'll go to your comment. If I rob, if I allegedly rob Chase Bank on Monday, February 25th, and you have a video of it, and then it goes to court, and they say, well, we can't determine whether this is him or not. We don't know if it's him or not. They throw it out. Then I rob Chase Bank again on uh, uh, Monday. Uh, uh, I rob Chase Bank on the same day a year later, and they have a video. They're not going to say, well, we threw that out uh, a year ago with those charges. We couldn't determine him. No, this is a new video. This is new evidence. This is additional crime. So this is why the arguments being made double jeopardy doesn't apply here. This is a different. This is a different tape. Go ahead. Well, uh, part of party evidence that they're using the, uh, the same generation and also her family gave testimony that they could not identify with uh, accuracy that that was Art Kelly in uh, in that particular video. When? So how when? Can when? Now, when? Well, they. They, they've already said that. They've already determined that. And when? that will also be brought no, 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 no. Slow down, slow down. When was this okay. determined? When was what determined, sir? What you just said. You said the family of the of the 14-year-old girl. I'm saying that the evidence that they're using, part of the evidence, when they indict, they don't have to mention everything that they're doing, but they're going to use a video that was used with Art Kelly was vindicated of all charges. Different video, different video. You can't, you can't compare this. No, no, slow down. Yes, sir. You can't compare the new video to the old video. Sir, it's not, it's not new because they're bringing new charges. No, 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 it is. No, you haven't done the research. This is a new video. Go research this case. This is not the same okay. video. They're saying it's the same girl. It's a different okay. video. You have to go okay. research this. I, I, okay. I, I really don't want to spend uh, too much time on Well, you that. brought it up. Well, okay. Well, okay. In that I bring it up, you know, there has not been a, there has not been a trial. They're still waiting. The charges just came. The, the, the charges time, well, slow down. The charges just came this past week. So of course there has not been a trial. Exactly, and that this is the reason why I say that that information is being used. There, sir. If you say things more, you keep saying things over and over again. People have a tendency to start believing that stuff. I'm providing. Okay. The, I'm providing the sources so and they can go research this themselves. No, 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 no. Slow down. Slow down. I'm providing the sources. I played the. I played the press conference from the prosecutor. I'm providing yes, the sources sir. that has the video of the press conference and lays out the charges. 
You're the one that sir, called in trying to conflate sir, what was taking place. Sir, so don't get this don't get this twisted. You're the one. No, no, slow down. I'm gonna let you finish. But see, you made a mistake when you called in and you said and you tried to make it seem like this was the same tape. It's not the same tape. If you actually research this, this is a different tape, which means that is potentially a different crime. It happened at a different time with the same person. You so you can't. And, and also, if you go research that 2008 case. The jury, the jury said that they could not determine the age of the girl. The jury did not say they didn't think it was not R. Kelly. R. Kelly's defense was that was his brother in the video. But if you actually go research that case, and there was just recently an article from the Washington Post where the jury foreman of that case was interviewed, he said that the jury, that it wasn't the case that the jury didn't think it was R. Kelly in the video. The jury at that time in 2008 could not determine the age of the girl. Her uncle was saying, I think it was her uncle, was saying that was not, uh, uh, let me see, Sparkle said it was her niece. Sparkle's brother said that's not his niece. The, uh, the parents of that girl did not testify. This is going to be a totally different case, totally different trial. Go ahead with your final comment. Oh. Well, my, my, my final comment is that uh, one is presumed innocent until proven guilty, sir. That's uh, true. R. Kelly has been tried in the court of public opinion. That's All a different case. Said, including they're coming from people that had that type of responsibility and that authority, not respecting the man's innocence. The man is innocent until proven guilty. He does not have to, to uh, defend himself against assumption, what, what assumes that he has done. This is a court of law. The court of law determines whether or not he is innocent and or guilty. So I, I really wish that you all would do that. Spend more time on looking into those issues about his guilt or his innocence instead of coming out saying that the man is guilty and being given a man a trial. It, it makes no well, sense. Well, 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 let me respond to you. We played the, you. We played the press conference from the uh, prosecutor. We dealt with yeah. some of the charges against him. I've talked extensively about surviving R. Kelly. I've talked. To, I've played clips of the uh, alleged survivors, things like this. The evidence is mounting against him, and it does not look good for him. Yeah, but I mean, with, with doc, you, you're putting out documentaries out here. He's not able to answer anything about. Oh, he can. He can answer them. No, no, no. He can. You know, he can. He can answer them. He can go point by point. He can do. He, do he can do interviews. He can go on his social media. He can Listen, go point by point. Well, slow down. We ain't going to both talk at the same time. You have to call somebody else to show with that. We're not going to both talk at the same time. I'm answering your response. He can go on social media. He can do media interviews. He can respond to it directly himself. Okay? His, his attorney has responded, and his attorney has, has not helped him at all. Actually, if you go Google Steve Greenberg and look at his responses to this, Steve Greenberg, I didn't even get a chance to cover it on this show because we ran out of time. Steve Greenberg actually did an interview on ABC News Nightline and said that R. Kelly told him that Aaliyah lied to him about her age. Everybody knows that's a damn lie. Now, this is R. Kelly's attorney. Everybody go research this. Go Google that, okay? You can watch the actual video. His, his attorney said in this interview that R. Kelly told him that Aaliyah lied about her age. Then the video surfaces of R. Kelly uh, working with Aaliyah in the studio and introducing her and saying she was 14 years old. That's a damn lie. Thanks for calling.
See, don't call in here and you don't know what the hell you're talking about because you're going to be embarrassed. I'm trying to tell you. Don't call in here and don't know what the hell you're talking about. Thanks, call, thanks for calling uh, from Ohio. I forgot what his name was. But thanks for calling anyway, Sandusky. All right, y'all need to do some research on this case, okay? I, I can provide you with this. And on, on the show, I had it queued up to deal with um, that interview that R. Kelly's attorney did, okay? But I didn't have time. We ran out of, uh, we ran out of time. Now, read this article from theroot.com. Aaliyah lied about her, Aaliyah, quote, lied about her age, end quote, and R. Kelly didn't know, lawyer claims. Read this article. This is a bunch of nonsense. I'm telling you, R. Kelly needs a new attorney because this guy going to get R. Kelly convicted. I'm telling you right now. Okay, this this attorney right here, Steve Greenberg, he's going to get R. Kelly uh, convicted. Okay, and uh, let me see if we can pull up the, uh, let me see if we can pull up the video. Read this article. Everybody knew Aaliyah, everybody knew Aaliyah was underage. Okay, then in Surviving R. Kelly, it was um, one of the people that worked with them talked about how they forged the documents to be able to get a marriage license showing she was 18 years old. Everybody knew that girl was underage. Aaliyah's from Detroit. Everybody knew that girl was not 18 years old. Man, don't cut. Get out of here with that nonsense. All right, now, there's another article. Let's see here. Um, ABC News uh, had it. So what we'll try to do is pull this up. And because uh, you got to hear this interview, uh, and I think they played it uh, on um, Good Morning America or GMA also, okay? It was originally on ABC News Nightline and then uh, on GMA as well, okay? So we'll try to uh, pull that up for you. All right, 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. Let's switch gears. Let's go to Jesse Smollett, right? Um, so Jesse Smollett was, <laughs> was indicted this past week. Oh, this was a busy week. Jesse Smollett was arrested for uh, allegedly making up a hate crime attack. Now, there have been a couple other points that have come out since then, right? Um, Washington Post has a good article. Jesse Smollett's bond set at $100,000. Judge calls uh, charges despicable. We see that... Um, NBCnews.com uh, has an article as well dealing with, let's see, which one is this one? Jesse Smollett arrested for allegedly making up hate crime attack. The actor's lawyers say he, quote, enjoys the presumption of innocence, end quote, particularly in light of what they call leaks of, quote, information, both true and false, end quote. Jesse Smollett needs to get a new attorney also. This is another one needs to get a new attorney. Let me explain to you why. Because I saw the full statement from Jesse Smollett's attorney, right? And um, we, I, I'm, I'm going to uh, read the uh, statement in this in its entirety, okay? Uh, let me see if I can pull it up here. Okay, enjoys the presumption of innocence. Let's see if we can pull this up. Okay, so given the circumstances, we intend to conduct a thorough investigation and to mount an aggressive defense, all right? And now, here's the problem with this statement. Um, if your client is innocent, you're not going to say my client enjoys the presumption of innocence. You're going to say my client is innocent. Presumption does not have to be consistent with reality. See, you can presume that you're going to get paid on Friday. 
That doesn't mean you're going to get paid on Friday. See, go read the statement from Jesse Smollett's attorney. Jesse Smollett and R. Kelly both need new attorneys. In a statement released after Smollett was charged, his attorney said, quote, he enjoys the presumption of innocence, particularly when there has been an investigation like this one where information both true and false have been repeatedly leaked. I saw the full statement. His attorney did not say Jesse Smollett is innocent. My client is totally innocent of all the charges. My client did not do this. Okay, because if you're an attorney and your client is totally innocent, that's what you're going to say. You said my client is totally innocent of all charges. My client did not do this. You're not going to say my, uh, uh, he enjoys the presumption of innocence. That's not what you're going to say. You're going to say my client is innocent. So meanwhile, the top prosecutor in the Chicago area, Cook County State's Attorney Kimberly Fox, has rescued herself from the has recused herself from the case. She did that this past week. She recused herself from the case. The state's attorney stepped away from the matter because she she had quote had conversations with with a family member of Jesse Smollett about the incident and their concerns and facilitated a connection to the Chicago uh, Police Department. End quote. A spokesman, a spokesperson for the office said. Um, Cook County State's Attorney Kimberly Fox's first assistant prosecutor, Joe Magatz, M-A-G-A-T-S, will handle the case. Police investigated the reported attack as a, quote, possible hate crime, end quote. And some celebrities, including Empire cast members and gay right advocates, flocked to social media to express their support for uh, Jesse Smollett. We know that Terrence Howard, uh, the co-star of the show, uh, uh, came out in support of, of Jesse uh, as well today. Now, but some other social media users began to question his claims when police said they were not able to find video of the incident after going through a plethora of footage through many surveillance cameras in the affluent street of uh, Streeterville neighborhood of Chicago where the attack allegedly occurred. Uh, okay, so let's see here. Um, all right. Okay, let's continue. So on January 30th, police released pictures uh, from a surveillance camera located near where Jesse Smollett said he was attacked that showed two men who police said were, quote, potential persons of interest, potential persons of interest. The two men were taken into custody on February 13th and questioned. They were released two days later on Friday without charges. Okay, these are the two Nigerian brothers. They are born here, U.S. citizens born here of Nigerian descent. The two men were taken into custody on February 13th and questioned. They were released two days later on February on Friday without charges. Police said the two who are brothers were no longer suspects in the case and were cooperating in the probe. Now on Saturday, Saturday, February 23rd, a police source said the what? Well, uh, I guess Saturday before that last, a police source said the probe had shifted into whether the actor had paid the two brothers, Ola and Abel. Osundero, okay, Oshun, it's actually Oshun, it's spelled O-S-U-N, but it's actually Oshun, Oshun is an Orisha, Orisha, the Orishas are the forces of nature, the deities in the spiritual system of Ifa, practiced amongst the Yoruba of Nigeria, okay, so I can look at these names and tell, this is Ola and Oshun, I can tell those are Yoruba names, so these brothers are Yoruba, it appears, Ola and Abel uh, Oshundero, uh, to stage an assault, okay? Investigators had discovered that the brothers had purchased the rope used in the alleged attack. So they, got the, so they had the brothers at the hardware store, wherever they bought it from, buying the rope and some other stuff also. That's on video as well, 
Okay. Now, um, the let's see who's who's uh, Google Melly. Uh, okay, I think he's with the prosecutor's office. Okay, and we'll contain this on the other side of the break. Uh, let's see here. Okay, so Google Melly, uh, so Chicago Police Department spokesman Anthony Google Melly said Jesse Smollett was in the custody of detectives who had earlier contacted uh, Jesse Smollett's legal team, quote, to negotiate a reasonable surrender for his arrest, end quote. He could face probation or up to three years in prison if convicted. So even if he's convicted, he may not do prison time. He may just get probation, okay? All right. So, look, we're coming up on a break. We'll continue this on the other side of the break. When we come back, I want you to hear from the prosecutor's office. They're going to lay out a timeline of what happened. This is very detailed as well. You don't want to miss this. 9, 10 a.m., the Superstation, the African History Network show on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes, and we'll go to the phone lines when we come back also. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m., the Superstation, the Future Radio. Hey, I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. It is uh, Sunday, February 10th, 2019. We're here every Sunday, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, okay? We have all of my DVD lectures there. You can sign up for the um, online courses. We have uh, online courses on demand, including Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, what they didn't teach you in school, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, what they didn't teach you in school, okay? Uh, coming up Saturday, February 16th, I'm speaking in three places. I'm at Nandy's Knowledge Cafe, 2 p.m. to 6 p.m., uh, 71 Oakman Avenue, doing a double lecture dealing with the history of um, the Rosewood Massacre of 1923, January 1923, the Rosewood Massacre. We know there was a movie made about it by um, John Singleton, director John Singleton in 1997. Okay, we have that. Then uh, also I'll do a presentation dealing with uh, how African-American jockeys, horse jockeys, African-American jockeys used to dominate horse racing, okay? Because a lot of the early winners of the Kentucky Derby were African-American jockeys. And some, of them, some of them were former slaves. The first winner of the Kentucky Derby was Oliver Lewis. He was a 19-year-old African-American man. But we were systematically pushed out of horse racing, okay? And a lot of people don't, don't know this history. We were systematically pushed out of horse racing, uh, there was a lot of jealousy, and, and white men wanted to take take uh, the, the prize money, et cetera. So I'm going to deal with that uh, history, okay? That's at Nandy's Knowledge Cafe, 71 Oakman Avenue, Highland Park, Michigan, uh, right off of Hamilton, uh, Saturday, February 16th, 2019, free event, donations accepted, all right? And then also I'm speaking at the Booker Dozier Center in Inkster, Michigan, on Saturday, February 16th. So I had to leave Highland Park, drive out to Inkster. Uh, they, they are doing a Middle Passage ceremony and a Middle, middle Passage commemoration at the uh, Booker Dozier Center, uh, 2025 Middle Belt Road in uh, Inkster, Michigan. Okay, so I'll be, I'm the keynote speaker there. And I'm speaking at a church Saturday morning, 9 a.m., and I'm trying to find that information here for you. Uh, also, I'll get that to you here in just a minute. But in the meantime, let's go back to line two. Let's go back to Tony, line two. Uh, thanks for uh, holding. Go ahead with your question or comment, Tony. Okay. So you were talking about the blackface. Um, 
the first imagery of clowns, you know, with the tattered clothes and uh, the knapsack and a and the makeup on the face, exaggerated makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't that a continuation of the blackface phenomenon? The hobos? Um, the hobos, the clown hobo thing, and then yeah, know, now, the evolution of the clown. Now, they have white face, they, they, but they, they have white face, right? Those, those yeah, images but not, in, not initially, uh, and then it evolved into the white face, and then there's been, like, the evolution of the clown, but I think it started with um, the black face imagery and the tattered clothes and, you know, just being downtrodden. Yeah, uh, I think there's a, I think there's a connection there. Yeah, it's going to start with uh, the uh, the black face, and then you, you're going to have um, – the uh, hobos and things like this, but they're wearing tattered torn clothing. So I, I think there's a connection there. I've seen some information on that before, but I think there's a mm-hmm. uh, I think there's a connection there. My follow up: um, Why do you think our people just flock to Gucci and Prada and Marchinos, um to to buy uh, high price? Uh, ticket items, and they don't market to us. They disparage us in their advertising. Uh, why do you think that is so, like, the conspicuous consumption amongst, you know, certain elements in the black community? Because it's, because, think- because it's shown to us in uh, hip-hop videos and it's in hip-hop music. So it gets marketed, mm-hmm. it gets marketed to us. They don't, it gets marketed to us like that. And the marketing is repetitive because you, you're, yeah. going, you're going to listen to a Cardi B song, okay, uh, more times than you see the advertising for Gucci or something like that or for Red Bottoms. True, true. Um, real quick, uh, you remember the book by uh, J.A. Rogers, um, 100 Amazing Facts About the Negro? Yes. Was proof. Um, I had that book. I bought it twice. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a real good resource, and I'm I can't find it. Uh, do you think uh, it's still in print, or I could get access? Probably get it in Andy's Knowledge Cafe. Probably get it in Andy's Knowledge Cafe. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks, Michael. Okay. Take care. All right. Uh, quickly, let's go to John Line Three. John, welcome to the African History Network show. Tell us where you're calling from. I'm calling from the east side of Detroit. Hotel. Thank you for some small and telling history. Oh, thank you. And that can go a thousand miles, and I hope folks listen it and taping it. Hotel, I you describe the, the way them them them, uh, them, them Jim Crow with with, with the picture the African Americans, and, and I seen they showed a, a, a history of Gurdon, the, the, the Nazis, and, and a whole tech there. I you had to get the picture from Jim Crow so that them cry. So the picture. Just like that, they were doing the Jews. They, they, they were what are you talking about? What are you talking about, John? What are you talking about? Got what picture? Uh, 
Nazi Germany they, they showed how Nazi Germany pictured the Jews when they, when, when Hitler was there, a guy there with, uh, uh, made small and talked about them, how they were vermin, they were rats, right. they were no good. Kind of like the way Donald Trump talks about undocumented immigrants, even though he hasn't working for them at his golf courses and golf clubs. Exactly, that's right. And I remind you, they caught one of the Canadians today with $18,000 worth of, what you call it, fentanyl? They call it fentanyl, yeah. So, I mean, I got hope Trump here about that, the hotel. And I want to thank you, man. Okay. All right, all right, thanks, John. Thanks for calling. All right, um, we'll go back to the phone lines in just a minute. Three one three seven seven eight seven six hundred is the call in number if you have a question or comment. If you like this type of information, you want to donate to the African History Network, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. That helps us to keep doing the research, stay on the air, um, et cetera, pay the bills. Also, you can go to africanhistorynetwork.com, africanhistorynetwork.com. Now, we have an eight-DVD um, bundle pack. The uh, Breaking the Chains Bundle Pack features eight of my DVD lectures, including one dealing with the history of African-American History Month. That's an online promotion at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, the DVD Bundle Pack. And uh, we'll post the the link for it here on the thread of the broadcast and also on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network. So it's on sale, $50. I think it's regularly something like $130, something like like that. Okay, but the Breaking the Chains uh, Bundle Pack. Right. It includes uh, a presentation I did dealing with the history of Confederate monuments, uh, also the racist history of the White National Anthem and the Pledge of Allegiance, uh, the uh, Breaking the Chains video I did dealing with uh, the history of African American History Month and why it was created and, and exposing myths in our history. Also it includes Great African Women in History, the Mothers of Civilization. Great African Women in History, the Mothers of Civilization. Okay, so that's on sale right now at um, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We also have the uh, eight DVD bundle pack, the Africans that were here before Columbus, the Africans that were here before Columbus. And that includes a double lecture I did with Dr. David M. Hotel, who wrote the book, The First Americans Were Africans, Documented Evidence. It uh, includes um, a lecture from Dr. John Henry Clark, the uh, Christopher Columbus and the African Holocaust. Also includes one from Dr. Ivan Van Sertima, who wrote... Uh, they came before Columbus. Okay. All right. So check that out at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Also, the Africans that were here before Columbus. All right. So right before the break, I was sharing with you this article from ABCNews.go.com entitled, uh, Virginia Blackface Scandals, a Reminder of Racist Practice and its Traumatic Effect on African Americans. Virginia Blackface Scandals. A reminder of racist practice and its traumatic effect on African Americans. Okay, so check out the rest of that article uh, in its entirety. They have a lot of uh, history information there, and they talk about uh, Burt Williams as well. They said, um, so let's see. Thompson Summers added. Okay, so. Um, they were saying that, uh, yes, it is offensive when other races um, appropriate other cultures in terms of dress. That's offensive. Uh, in the last couple of years, some artists have gotten in trouble dressing from other cultures in, the, in their videos. 
Thompson Summers added that, quote, racial identity is never a costume, end quote. Emulating someone is fine, but there's no reason to darken the skin. There are so many other ways to accessorize yourself. As the appeal for blackface began to fall off in the 20th century, okay, the 1900s, its use has become more controversial, but not unheard of. Ben Vereen, actor, entertainer, Ben Vereen, who we saw in Roots as Chicken George, attempted using blackface to depict the pain of the marginalization of black entertainers, specifically Burt Williams, who I talked about uh, a, little while, a little while ago, who was forced to perform in blackface during the early, early 20th century. The telecast cut off the performance before the end when it aired, and as a result, an ironic, an, an ironic portrayal became a caricature, the opposite of his intent, okay? So you can check out the rest of this article also. We'll post the uh, link on, on the thread of the broadcast on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network. All right, so February 8th, this past week, February 8th was the anniversary of the movie The Birth of a Nation debuting, okay, the debut of uh, the film The Birth of a Nation, all right? And a lot of people don't know the history about the movie The Birth of a Nation, okay? So history.com has a really good article about this, and we used to fight against uh, depictions of us, okay? We used to, uh, when this movie came out, there were protests that we led against the movie The Birth of a Nation. All right, so on February 8, 1915, uh, D.W. Griffith's Birth of a Nation, a landmark film in the uh, history of cinema, pre premieres at Clunes Auditorium in Los Angeles, California. The silent film was America's first feature-length motion picture and a box office smash, and during its unprecedented three hours, D.W. Griffith, popularized countless filmmaking techniques that remain central to the art today, okay? This was the, uh, this was a landmark movie, okay? This was the most expensive movie um, at the time, and this was also the longest movie at the time. It was three hours, um, it was three hours in length. All right, so let's continue. However, because of its explicit racism, Birth of a Nation is also regarded as one of the most offensive films ever made, actually titled The Klansman for its first month of release, but they spell Klansman with a C, okay? Actually titled The Klansman for its first month of release. The film provides a highly subjective history of the Civil War, Reconstruction, and the rise of the Ku Klux Klan studied today as a masterpiece of political propaganda birth of a nation caused riots in several cities and was banned in other cities but was seen by millions okay so david wark griffith w a r k this is where the d w comes from his name was david wark griffith he was born in lagrange kentucky in 1879, 10 years after slavery ended, same year that the Carter G. Woodson was born. He was the son of an ex-Confederate colonel. His father died when he was seven years old, and he later dropped out of high school to help support his family. 
After holding various jobs, he began a successful career as a theater actor. He wrote several plays and on the advice of a colleague sent some scenarios for one real films to the Edison Film Company and the Biograph Company. The Edison Film Company and the Biograph Company. Now, in 1908, he was hired as an actor and writer for the Biograph Studio and soon was promoted to a position as director. Between 1908 and 1913, D.W. Griffith made more than 400 short films for Biograph, okay, the Biograph Company. Between 1908 and 1913, he made more than 400 short films. With the assistance of his talented cinematographer, G.W. Billy Bitzer, B-I-T-Z-E-R, he invented or refined such important cinematic techniques as the close-up, the scenic long shot, the moving camera shot, and the fade-in and fade-out. His contributions to the art of editing during this period included the flashback and parallel editing, in which two or more separate scenes are intermixed to give the impression that the separate actions are happening simultaneously. He also raised the standard on movie acting, initiating scene rehearsals before shooting and assembling a stock company of film professionals. Many of these actors included, including Lillian and Dorothy Gish, G-I-S-H, Mary Pickford, Mae Marsh, and Lionel Barrymore. They went on to become some of Hollywood's first movie stars. Taking his cue from the longer spectacle films produced in Italy, in 1913, D.W. Griffith produced Judith of Bethulia, a biblical adaptation that at four reels, R-E-E-L-S, four reels, was close to an hour long. It was his last biograph film. Two years later, he released his epic ten-reel masterpiece, Birth of a Nation, for mutual films. Now, Birth of a Nation was based upon a novel called The Klansman by a man named Thomas Dixon, okay? And the, the novel The Klansman tells the turbulent story of American history in the 1860s as it followed the fictional lives of two families from the North and the South. Throughout its three hours, African Americans are portrayed as brutish, lazy, morally degenerate, morally degenerate, and dangerous. In the film's climax, the Ku Klux, the Ku Klux Klan rises up to save the South from the Reconstruction-era prominence of African Americans in Southern public life. Riots and protests broke out at screenings of the movie The Birth of a Nation in a number of northern cities and the recently formed NAACP, National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, embarked on a major campaign to have the film banned. They embarked on a major campaign to have the film banned. It eventually was censored in several cities and D.W. Griffith agreed to change or cut out some of the film's especially offensive scenes. Nevertheless, millions of people happily paid to witness the spectacle of Birth of a Nation, which featured a cast of more than 10,000 people, 
and a dramatic storyline far more sophisticated than anything released to that date. For all the gross historical inaccuracies, certain scenes such as meetings of Congress, Civil War battles, and the assassination of President Abraham Lincoln were meticulously recreated, lending the film an air of legitimacy that made it so effective as propaganda. The Ku Klux Klan, which, who were suppressed by the federal government in the 1870s, was refounded in Georgia in December 1915 by William J. Simmons because the film The Birth of a Nation helped to rejuvenate the Ku Klux Klan. In addition to being anti-black, the new Klan was anti-Catholic and anti-Semitic and anti-immigrant. And by the early 1920s, it had spread throughout the North as well as the South. At the peak of its strength in 1924, membership in the KKK is estimated to have been as high as 3 million. There is no doubt that the movie The Birth of a Nation played no small part in winning wide public acceptance for an organization that was originally founded as an anti-black and anti-federal terrorist group. And uh, history, the History Channel has a documentary dealing with how the Ku Klux Klan helped empower the mafia, the, especially the Italian mafia, because the Ku Klux Klan advocated for prohibition in the 1920s. And it's prohibition that's going to give rise also to the mafia with bootleggers, you know, Al Capone and things like this, right? So they have a documentary that, that deals with this, okay? Um, and they may have it at their website, history.com. You can check on it. But it deals with how the Ku Klux Klan inadvertently empowered the mafia. And also, um, back at this time, the Klan, they were against, uh, they didn't like German immigrants. A lot of these white immigrants, Italian immigrants, Greek immigrants, things like this, the Klan didn't like them. You had to be a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant male, at least 16 years old, to join the Ku Klux Klan. Okay, they didn't let Catholics join. They didn't let Jews join. And the Klan also targeted white Republicans. They didn't like white Republicans either because the Republican Party was the party of Lincoln, and it's going to be a civil war that ends slavery. So they didn't like Republicans. And when you look at the rise of the Ku Klux Klan in the 1920s, it's going to be the fact that the Republican Party starts to ignore the issues and concerns of African Americans. And in 1928, you're going to have the Lily White movement that starts in the Republican Party, basically pushed and led by Herbert Hoover, who's the Republican candidate for president in 1928. He's running against a northern Democrat named Al Smith. This is going to be the beginning of African Americans to start leaving the Republican Party and going to the Democratic Party because the Republican Party were ignoring our issues and expressed it, and especially they were ignoring our concerns about the rise of the Ku Klux Klan. Okay? This was going, so our, our concerns were falling on deaf ears. And we're being pushed out of the Republican Party 
And we find the Democratic Party, even though we're leery of them, we find them more receptive. And a lot of African-Americans like President Franklin Roosevelt and his wife, Eleanor Roosevelt. Let's go to the phone lines. Let's go to Otis, line one. Welcome to the African History Network show. Otis, thanks for calling. Tell us where you're calling from. Yeah, Otis Mathis calling from African Town, uh, 4217-824 in South of Detroit. Listen to you on 910. Okay, thanks. Yeah, um, I was listening to you talking about how people select, especially young people, select their clothing very expensive by what they, by uh, how they see these rappers and entertainers. So even though there's no benefit of marketing or using, yeah, yeah, that's an influence. American, yes, yeah, an influence. influence. Mm-hmm. But what was the influence back? And I look at old pictures of my parents in, mm-hmm. in 1928 forward, up until maybe the early. 70s before Soul Train and all that came out. What was the influence on them dressing in gators and and suits? They didn't call them designer suits, but they weren't the seal suckers. They knew seal suckers was was you didn't buy them, you bought the quality suit. Even though there was no marketing in African communities then, mm-hmm. they were dressing like that. Uh, it, it, you're going to have influence from other people we saw in our community, entertainers that we saw things like this in, in, in our community, we'll, you'll see that. Uh, even in, like, some, uh, I'm not exactly sure which magazines at that time. You're talking about the 1920s? Uh, in the, well, it may have been in the 20s. My father, yeah, because my father was born in 1928. Mm-hmm. And I see pictures of him, uh, you know, as a uh, younger daughter in his early, uh, when he came home from the service, about 20 years old, so about 1948, and right. later, you can see pictures of him in suits, you know, mm-hmm. gangster hats. And I think when you said that, they do make sense because even in the 20s, the entertainers couldn't live in the white communities. They were trapped in the black communities. They were hanging out in the black bars, hotels, right. and they dressed well. So I didn't think about it like that. Well, we'll see. We'll see. And we'll, we'll see no entertainer. Music. Yeah, we'll see entertainers right. influence the way we dress. But also, right. many of us dress more like men. Women dress more like women. You didn't see brothers yeah. walking around with pants hanging off their behinds. You didn't see right. brothers, they weren't running around wearing jerseys. You know, they're wearing suits. You know, they they, they dressed to uh, impress the ladies, but they dressed like men. They wore hats. You know, you go look at those pictures from the 1930s, 40s, 50s, you don't see brothers walking around with their pants hanging off their behind. You don't no, see no. brothers walking yeah, around with, with their pants around their thighs. Right, well, yeah, because my father and uncles and them were sharp in those little right. towns in Pennsylvania. They was even sharp in the mountains of Midland. They were suited now. Right. But you think that was because that was the dress style? If pants hanging it, down back in the 20s and 30s, they would have uh, selected well, it, would, it wouldn't have happened. Style. It wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have been tolerated because we had better oh. standards. It would not have been yeah. tolerated. <laughs> it would not have been That's tolerated. True. No. <laughs> right. Because I know my son never wore because it wasn't tolerated. He's 42 now. Mm-hmm. It wasn't tolerated in our home. Right. And so you don't see a picture of all the pictures. He loved taking pictures. Right. And all the pictures coming up through even high school, you don't see his pants hanging. Right. You know, in his early 20s. But that was something that was not tolerated. Uh, if he bought them, we burned them. And right. And so he just kind of got hooked to it. Ain't no sense of me having that fight. And even today at 40, you see his dress is more feel upline, uh, you know, more, you know, he's not dressing, and you see older gentlemen at his age wearing droopy pants, and, right. and that's a surprise, too. 
Right. Well, they're trying to they're trying to imitate some of the young guys when they should be setting right. an example. They should be setting an example, and they're trying to imitate them. Yeah, the twenties and thirties. That the imitation was the entertainers and fans who couldn't live in the white community, the white neighborhoods, so they were in the black community. So our black parents and them saw them when they went to clubs or saw them walking the right. streets or the entertain. It was always in. Right. All right, Otis, I got to get this other call because we're almost out of time. Thanks for calling. All right, let's go to Francis, line two. Francis, uh, welcome to the African History Network show. Go ahead with with your personal comment. um, Yes, you know, they even had cartoon characters in Blackface. I remember when I was a child, uh, the characters, they had real black faces, big white lips and white eyes. And, you know, Walt Disney's cartoons were notorious for that because he used to have these characters, these, these black clothes, sitting in a tree laughing and talking. They had black face and big red boots, and they were talking real ignorant. So, right. you know, that's just ingrained. Well, absolutely, yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah we, we, there's, a, there's a history of that, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So that's all I wanted to say. Thank you. Okay, thanks for calling. All right, so um, read this article from uh, History.com, official website of the History Channel. February 8, 1915, Birth of a Nation opens. And um, they go on to say, at the peak of his strength in 1924, membership in the KKK is estimated to have been as high as 3 million. There is no doubt that Birth of a Nation played no small part in winning wide public acceptance for an organization that was originally founded as an anti-black and anti-federal terrorist group. Of D.W. Griffith's later films, Intolerance in 1916 is the most important um, and they go on to say that um, he went on to make 27 films, okay, 27 more films after after the birth of a nation. In 1919, 1919, the year after World War One ends, D.W. Griffith founded United Artists Studios with Douglas Fairbanks and Mary Pickford and Charlie Chaplin. They went on to found United Artists Studios, okay. If you read the book, How White Folks Got So Rich, The Untold Story of American White Supremacy, they talk about the movie The Birth of a Nation, and they deal with how Louis B. Mayer was the man who distributed the movie. He took the profits that he made from distributing the movie Birth of a Nation. He teamed up with two other men named Metro and Goldwyn, and they formed Metro Goldwyn Mayer Studios, MGM Studios. Okay, read How White Folks Got So Rich, The Untold Story of American White Supremacy. All right, so if we look very quickly, because we run out of time, we may have to deal with some of this next week. William Monroe Trotter, uh, William Monroe Trotter's boycott of the birth of a nation laid the foundation for the civil rights movement. This is an article from AtlantaBlackStar.com. Because William Monroe Trotter, when the movie comes to Boston, he leads protests against the movie. The NAACP leads protests against the movie also. There's a documentary from Independent Lands on PBS called Birth of a Movement, Birth of a Movement. Um, and PBS.org uh, has an article from February 2nd, 2017. Filmmakers tell story of William Trotter's fight against racist silent blockbuster. Filmmakers tell story of William Trotter's fight against racist silent blockbuster. And this deals with William Monroe Trotter fighting against the movie The Birth of a Nation. TheRoot.com has an article from May 1st, 2015. How Black America Rallied to Stop the Racist Film Birth of a Nation. And it talks about a hundred years ago, on March 3rd, 1915, to be exact, a war consumed Europe and the United States tried to steer clear of entanglements because the U.S. didn't get involved in World War I, basically, until 1917. Some of the best minds and most passionate social justice advocates had one goal, 
to stop the opening of D.W. Griffith's movie, The Birth of a Nation, at the Liberty Theater in New York City's Times Square. Charlotta Bass, B.A.S.S., editor of the West Coast's oldest newspaper, black, news, black newspaper, the California Eagle, had sounded the alarm some days before in a telegram to NAACP headquarters warning about a hideous film that was wowing white film goers in Los Angeles, California, despite efforts to have it banned. Leaders of the six-year-old New York-based organization, the NAACP, led mainly by white philanthropists, sprang into action. Through lobbying, letter writing, and litigation, they spearheaded a campaign that for most of the rest of the year saw them and their allies in the black press trying to outrun the publicity juggernaut that turned the birth of a nation into the talk of the nation. Charlotta Bass and her husband, Joe, had been onto the story for about a decade since Thomas Dixon's novel, The Klansman, had become a play that eventually became the movie, The Birth of a Nation. If you read Before the Mayflower by Lerone Bennett, Jr., in the back of the book, it has a chronology of history. Go to 1906. In 1906, the play, The Klansman, came to Philadelphia, and you had 3,000 African Americans who protested against the play, The Klansman, in 1906. We know that the NAACP led protests against the movie The Birth of a Nation, right? But today, the NAACP gives image awards to the TV show Empire, which is the birth of a nation of his day. That's a, that's, that looks like a menstrual show. That shows derogatory, demeaning, denigrating images of African Americans promoting chem, uh, criminality and promiscuity. And they use hip-hop and music to hook you, to get you to tune in each week to see this minstrel show called Empire on the Fox Network, the Fox TV Network owned by Rupert Murdoch, who also owns the Fox Cable Network that attacks African Americans on a daily basis. So we'll deal with some of this uh, next week. I'll see you all at Nandy's Knowledge Cafe Saturday, uh, February 16th, 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. And uh, we'll get the uh, information. I was trying to uh, find it, but we'll get the uh, information for the upcoming screenings of uh, the next installments of African Americans, Many Rivers to Cross, also at the, um, uh, th that the city of Inkster is doing, okay? Because they have um, uh, 28 days of African American uh, events uh, for African American History Month. Visit their website, City of Inkster. Dot com city of .com, right on the home page uh, click on events hopefully they uh, have it up there actually I think I found the calendar here because they sent me a calendar so February uh, February 12th okay they're going to be at uh, Christ Temple City of Ref Refuge 27741 Carlisle Street in Inkster Michigan at 6 p.m. I'll be there because I'm leaving the discussion 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. that's for part three and then part four is uh, Thursday at uh, High Praise Cathedral, 4010 Moore Street in, uh, in Inkster. But we'll try to get this, uh, see if they can put together a flyer, get it at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All right, thanks for listening to the African History Network show, 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm Mike Limhotep. Right now, it's correct your own behavior. It's not over till we win. Wakanda forever. We'll talk to you next week. Peace.